airing the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B is over in Studio CC. And I'm looking forward to another exciting week of um, talking to you about current issues, cultural mm-hmm. issues, issues that impact the church, yeah. uh, impact marriage and the family and our children. That's a part of where uh, Will the Great and I try to focus when That's we right. talk about what's happening uh, today. We um, kind of have our nose to the ground for those types of stories and those issues. Mm-hmm. And then also, also we try to look at the issues that maybe the church might inadvertently be ignoring. You know, mm-hmm. we're not aware that this mm-hmm. is going on. It's not that we don't care. We just don't know. Mm-hmm. And so today is going to be one of those shows. Uh, Sherry B, by the way, is over in Studio CC. I don't know if I mentioned that. She's if I, here. If I did. Okay, she's here. <laughs> and uh, we appreciate her. Let me also say this, and uh, and I, I kind of want to do something a little bit different, but now this is what I talked to you about doing on Friday. Mm-hmm. But now that we're here, I'm not sure if it'll work so well. Um, we had a bank of calls that came in on Friday. A bank of calls. <laughs> and I missed it. And I take full responsibility for that. That was not Will the Great's fault. That was not Sherry B's <laughs> fault. And that was not Miki just ignoring. That was Miki being unaware. I mm-hmm. didn't realize. And so finally you had to say in my ear, there are calls. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man. And at that point, we only had time for like one and a half. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. One and a half. And so I take full responsibility for that. Now, what I thought, I told you after the show, I said, man, you know what we should do is when we come in on Monday, there are a lot of people. And here's what I think got people going. I think people got really excited when we started talking about black voices for Trump and mm-hmm. uh, what was happening within the, the black community, I think, as far as support for Trump and, you know, the threat that this is to Democrats. I think right. if that's if I'm understanding. Yeah, correctly. yeah. That was some of the uh, conversation that we were saying. Okay. And we were, we were, yeah, basically uh, that I think some of the, the conversation went into being conservative. Yeah. Is not, being able to defend yeah. your position. Right. Biblically speaking. Biblically. Yeah. And then. Because so here was our basic here was our statement. And then, you know, maybe this will kind of refresh people a little bit. But if you put a lot of the heavy lifting into defending the gospel and why you um, what you believe about who God is. Right. Then you don't have to exert a lot of energy politically. Politically. Yeah. It'll be it'll be really difficult for people to argue with you. One of the most profound yet simple things that we did on the morning show a couple years ago, Mm -hmm. I want to say maybe three years ago, was just spend about two hours doing a side-by-side comparison of the political platforms. Yeah, we did that. That's and we, I think that was very just, helpful for we people. We just flipped pages. Mm-hmm. Two stacks. Here's mm-hmm. the, the party platforms. Yep. And we just flipped them over. Yep. Boom. Yep. On this issue. This is where one party stands. This is where the other party stands. Right? Yep. And I think if you start at that point, then the Christian then has to ask himself or herself, mm-hmm. wait a minute, what does the Bible say on these issues? Exactly. And how do I get as close to what the Bible says as possible? Yeah. You don't have to strain and stress yourself out. You don't have to keep up with the political news cycles. I know everybody wants to be a political junkie these mm-hmm. days because it's popular. It's popular to be into politics, yeah. guys. Yeah. 
But I got to tell you something. The heavy lifting needs to be in the robust defense of the faith. And it's so important to know the word of God. So when you come again, come up against like things like that, you have two platforms and they have totally different, you know, uh, outcomes of what they desire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You should be able to look towards the scripture and say, OK, this does not line up. That's so right. This is not where I am. That's right. And you don't have to you don't need to get all embarrassed about that and start in, you know, right. scratching and, and, you know, nervous. And that, that takes it beyond, you know, I, I look like this. So I'm supposed to vote like this. That's right. This, That's right. That takes it to I'm a Christian. So yeah. I'm going to vote in line with way, the word of God. And therefore I will vote exactly. this way. Exactly. Right. And so then it doesn't leave people confused about where you stand. You right. don't have a position of convenience. Right. You take a, a position that comports with your conviction, biblically speaking. And we always tell people, lead with the scriptures. We used to say we need to lead with the word and let everything else catch up. That's right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we, it, we were actually mocking someone who made that we were, statement. Um, yeah, it worked It's out. neither here nor there. Um, I want to do this, though. Maybe tomorrow what we can do is spend mm-hmm. some time just talking to our listeners about that. Because I think okay. we may throw ourselves too far off if we get going. Today, we're going to spend some time talking about human trafficking. Mm. And... We have mentioned this before, and at this point, and I'll give the disclaimer again when we come back with our guest in the, in the next segment, and then also in the third segment, actually. Uh, this is not a show that may be suitable for young listeners because of the nature of what we're going to be talking about. Mm-hmm. But I think that human trafficking is one of those issues that we, I don't think that we are ignoring it, mm-hmm. but I think that we are unaware that it is as big of a deal as it is. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think uh, the way, I, I, I can th- think personally the way I, I encountered that issue was that it was somewhere else in another country that's right and well, a lot of times what we yeah. do with that we kind of remove ourselves that's from right. that because it's like it's over there it's that's, over there man you that's, know, that's in India yep you know? Mumbai yeah. Mumbai the red right. light district that's right. what you think of you know right. and and you I would say that for some people it tends to be a less civilized form of oppression mm. that a person mm-hmm. is a sex slave. Mm-hmm. Like that's got to mm-hmm. be for like an underdeveloped or undeveloped nation, mm-hmm. right? Like certainly that's not happening right here in the yeah. United States of America. Well, in fact, it is happening. And if you think Big back time. to a few months ago, mm-hmm. uh, we actually interviewed John Whitehead. And the reason mm-hmm. we had him on this program was because I read his article from the Rutherford Institute and it was shocking to me. And the headline of the article is this, the essence of evil sex with children has become big business in America. Mm. in America. And so we want to double back to that today. And and one of the reasons that we want to do that is because we want this to be on the minds of faithful believers that this is an evil that we are contending against in our generation, in our country. That's right. It's not something that we send missionaries internationally to deal with. Mm -hmm. It is something that missionaries are dealing with and Mm -hmm. should be dealing with stateside it's happening here because That's remember right. the Lord's promise is that he was going to build his church mm-hmm. and that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's right. And I got to tell you, the Lord is still building his church, which Amen. is comprised of people right here in the United States of America. Amen. So, you know, yeah, we don't, <laughs> okay. Now, I won't go too far on my tangent there. Cause yeah. I do have some recent thoughts about, right, right, right. <laughs> Stop it right. Okay. There. All right. All right. All right. So just let me, let me remind our listeners mm-hmm. um, of some of the content from the article that we used as a backdrop for our interview a few months ago with John Whitehead. And these things are so shocking to me as I understand. And and so therefore, you know, it's likely that they'll be shocking to you, mm-hmm. but I think it, it helps us um, frame the conversation that we're having today, that this is not an international problem, that this is a national problem and an international problem. Um, the article here, some of the information, again, disclaimer firmly in place, not necessarily suitable 
for young listeners. Mm-hmm. So maybe occupy the youngins in another area yeah. for, for the duration of this show. Children, young girls, some as young as nine years old, are being bought and sold for sex in America. The average age of young women being sold for sex is now 13 years old. Mm. That's the average age. So that means, of course, you've got older, but that you've got younger. Right. And that should be so incredibly concerning for us. Sex trafficking, especially when it comes to the buying and selling of young girls, has become big business in America. It's the fastest growing business in organized crime and the second most lucrative commodity traded illegally in this country after drugs and guns. Man, and, and it's, as, you, as you're reading this, I'm thinking about all of the different articles and links that I see like on social media of, of girls disappearing. Missing girls. G- missing girls and, you know, coming up dead and you know, different things. But like, it seemed like it's more and more. Th- that's right. That's right. Man. Because this has turned into an industry yeah. in the United States of mm-hmm. America. It has turned into an industry. And you're, you're dealing with or you're thinking about at this point Girls who are in the foster care system, girls who are troubled at home, who run away. Yeah. But they're not all runaways. Right. Some they're not all troubled. Taken. Some of them are just being lured away from That's their true. parents via social media, yeah. via the Internet, mm-hmm. via these chat forums where they can connect with unknown people in this country, across the country. Right. And I think parents need to be aware of that. Back to this article here. And this is just a refresher as we get into it. Consider this. Every two minutes. Every two minutes in the United States of America, a child is exploited in the sex industry. Every two minutes. Every two minutes, a child in the United States of America is exploited in the sex industry. According to USA Today, adults purchase children for sex at least two and a half million times a year in the United States. Mm-hmm. Guys, this is the country that we live in. Right. This is and and I'm going to tell you, I think so often will there is a great tension in Americans dealing with this issue Mm -hmm. because it's hard for us to see our America that way. Right. We have Mm -hmm. this idea. And you man, you said something. Oh, man, I guess it was last year, maybe a couple years now. But you made this point that I thought was just profound and that you said that our country has grown up alongside Christianity Mm-hmm. And so really within the church context, we have adopted a lot of Americanism and there's been kind of this mixing where there's not a distinction that what is American is automatically Christian and what is Christian is automatically American. And we've mm-hmm. kind of mixed these things together. And so I think when we talk about our country and its founding, when we say at its founding, we're founded on Judeo-Christian values. But now we take a step back and we look at where we are. It's difficult for people to understand where we are in this country because we say we are a good nation. Mm -hmm. There's no way that this could be happening where adults are purchasing children for sex at least two and a half million times a year. And then here was the question that was raised in this Rutherford Institute article. Who is buying children for sex? Right. Who is buying children for sex? This article says otherwise ordinary men from every walk of life. Otherwise ordinary men, from every walk of life. Mm. In Georgia alone, it's estimated that 7,200 men, half of them in their 30s, seek to purchase sex with adolescent girls each month, averaging roughly 300 a day. 300 a day on average. And this, again, I've, I've cautioned you, uh, this is not suitable for young kids. On average, a child might be raped six by 6,000 men 
during a five-year period of servitude. So you've got enslaved children right here. Guys, and this is what I want to drive home today. I want us to understand this is in our country. This is happening in our country, Mm -hmm. in the United States of America. And so this is another one of those opportunities for the church to rise up and be salt and light. Now, I want to say something, too. And I, you know, I don't want to always turn things back to, you know, there are certain topics that we feel like kind of it always goes back to that. Mm -hmm. But this necessarily goes back to the question of pornography and pornography addiction. Definitely. Okay. definitely. Because you have a market and you have an industry for sex with children because you have overwhelming pornographic consumption. And we talked about that, how. Uh, brains and minds are changed by yes. that stuff, and you, it has to be that way for for this type of activity to go on, you know. And and when you think about that, look, pornography is a uh, is a problem, not only just in the world, but in the church. Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. the church, why do we see you know so many scandals Come of on, like Will. you know uh, this was a, a a past I saw recently, like it was like a, a youth pastor who's been arrested you know, for having sex with some of the, the, the young girls and oh. things like that. I mean, and I, I would I would bet, you know, any money that pornography Is that was an impetus behind that. Absolutely. Like, at the root of it. That's right. You know, and it's something that you have to deal with. Mm-hmm. It, we can't just like, uh, you know, gloss away just, ah, you know, it's a problem. And it's not, it's not the conservatives battle of the 90s. Right. You know, we, we it's not like, oh, that that was the program for the 90s. We're OK now. No. You know what I mean? Like, like 21st century America. Um, it's it's a it's a harmless uh, activity. Hmm. Right. And here's the thing, man. Prono- pornography more than in any other period in the history of this country is ubiquitous. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. It is. Our children have Easily it on accessible. their tablets. That's right. They have it in the palms of their hands. Yeah. And we have lost that point of contact where and, and, and for many of us, we've given it up. We don't even monitor anymore. But what I'm saying is that we are rewiring the brains of young men and women in this country. And and, and it's disgusting. It's everywhere. Yeah. You know, my son went into the bathroom just to use the restroom. Oh, come on. And there was a picture in there in in the restaurant, in a restaurant. We were inside a restaurant. And I'm like, man. And we didn't know. We didn't know. Right. We, I didn't think I had. I would have to go in the right. bathroom before single him. Stall, just to, single room sing, bathroom. Single room bathroom. You know, but it's everywhere. Yeah. It's oh disgusting. man. That was a gut punch for us. Yeah. That was a gut punch. I'm. I'm grateful that our son came out and was appalled and told us immediately. Yeah. You know, but you're right. It's everywhere. Those type of things plant seeds. I, mean, I can't stand it. We've lost our ability to even blush. All right. We got to grab the break. Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We'll be right back. Veterans Day to all of our veterans listening. Uh, we are so grateful for our servicemen and women. 
Um, you know, I was thinking about how when we talk to our children and we try to paint a picture of the importance of our U.S. military, mm-hmm. how innocent they are and how they don't understand <laughs> how unstable the world is yeah. and how there are wicked and evil men and regimes who, you know, would have a field day mm-hmm. if America were weakened. Yeah. Right. And so we <laughs> are so grateful. It. Oh, my goodness. We are so grateful uh, for our brave servicemen and women and how they have served us in ways that we can't even imagine. Mm. We probably and, and we can't pay them back. So it's a very small extension, right, to be able to say Happy Veterans Day. Thank you yeah. so much for serving this country. Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Angela Prim with Battle Hymn of the Republic. And I want to keep the disclaimer firmly in place that some of the content that we're discussing today mm-hmm. may not be suitable for young listeners. We yeah. are talking about human trafficking. We are talking about sex slavery. Mm-hmm. I started off the hour talking about how this is not something that is only an international problem, but it is a national problem. Mm-hmm. And the church should be paying attention to this. Yeah. We should be asking ourselves. I, I would think that maybe one of the starting points would be, what is it that I don't know yeah. about what is yeah. happening in the area of human human trafficking? Yeah. What was it that I've overlooked or been uninformed on? Um, and so anyway, let's continue on. Let's go to our guest, uh, former Congresswoman and founder of Shared Hope International, Linda Smith, joins us. And we are going to talk about her work for years in um, uncovering Mm -hmm. and giving aid to those who have suffered uh, just the tremendous tragedy that is human trafficking, sex slavery. And we're going to talk about this um, this two year council that she has partnered up with President Trump and his administration to be Mm -hmm. a part of uh, to combat human trafficking. Uh, Linda Smith, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Wonderful to be with you. So would you um, give our our listeners sort of a little bit of your background, a little bit of your your bio, and sort of weave into that how your eyes were open to the horrors of sex slavery or human trafficking? Well, my bio was one only instigated by God because (laughs) I um, wasn't involved in politics. And I was a businesswoman, taught Sunday school, and my husband decided to come home one day and say to me, Linda, I just told God if there was anyone, he'd been to a men's Bible breakfast, Bible study breakfast, so if there's anyone that stands for the unborn, I told God it would be me and my family. So I looked over my shoulder to see if I could see his mother, and sure enough, she wasn't there. He was talking about us. And <laughs> This man instilled in all of our family, our children, myself, that every person was made by God, and he just lived that in every way. And so there was a man who was opposite of our family values, but we were in a very hardcore Democrat state. Not all of those folks were liberal, but at that point, and there weren't hardly any Republicans, much less a conservative woman who wasn't involved in either party. Hmm. But he decided that one of us was going to run against this man who was doing things he didn't believe in. And I was actually elected in an off-year election. <laughs> Soon take, took the Senate by my one vote, not very long after that. I became the 25th vote to 24, and for the first time, Republicans were in charge of the state Senate of Washington. And I wanted one thing. I wanted to be over children and family services because I knew there were many things I didn't believe in that were happening. 
But I also had this deep passion for people on the streets and children that were hurt. And so I became the head of the Children and Family Services Committee and then one of the leaders of the Senate. And that was the conditions I had before I told them, yes, I would run, because they didn't think I'd really win. But I became both a leader and over the Children and Family Services Committee. Now, I say all this to say that from there, I ended up in um, Congress as a write-in candidate. Uh, Eleven years after that, I was on vacation in September of 1994, and while I was gone, that same area that just didn't have people like me, and I always had Democrats elected for Congress, they elected me in a write-in campaign while I was gone on vacation. Wow. Now, I'm saying these things only because you can see it wasn't me. Right. Yeah. Out of town, out of town. But God showed me clearly that everything that had happened in my life, the mud of politics, the molestation of the child, all those things he showed me very quickly um, because I ended up in a, in a brothel area in India because of a dream. And someone had talked to me and I couldn't sleep and it was kind of a, I don't know, it was a dream or just a nightmare. Uh, but I got up and I got tickets and I went to India where I found children being sold in prostitution. And jumping from there to now, about 13 years ago, I was asked to research for the U.S. government several countries. And I have another company that does that. They go in as sex tourists or buyers. And um, that is now closed, that company. But at that point, I thought I would find a lot about foreign countries, so I added America. So in 2006, over a two-year period, I investigated America and came back to Congress with the first report on trafficking in America by going mm. into 14 areas. And what happened there is I realized a shock that I had to get out. I couldn't do this all anymore. We had villages all over the world, but there were children as young as the ones in other countries. And the primary product were middle school kids, and they weren't necessarily from any demographic. It's just by nature of their brains not being done. Mm. Um, and in America, we had a high level of trafficked children that were born in America, didn't find as many foreign as I thought I would, and submitted to Congress two statements. The federal law is strong. We need to make it stronger, but the big problem is in this state. And the children, uh, the product are children, middle school age, born in America, legal here, and uh, the primary purchaser driving the demand are American men, mm. and they're shopping young. From that, we started getting laws passed at the federal level, identifying the children and, and as domestic minor sex trafficking. And by 2009, we actually had a law that stated that there were domestic minor sex trafficking victims, America's children. So you realize the movement to acknowledge and help these children is only about maybe 12, 13 years old. Mm. So that's where we are today and shared hope still has those villages around the world. I still go see new babies born to the girls that I raised and all those wonderful things that's so difficult. But we focus about 90% of our time on the 50 states because we still have a deep bias that once a child is called a prostitute, she or he can be put in jail still in over 20 states mm. just by that. And the men, even though starting to be arrested, you're starting to see it, who buy commercial sex with children in big part walk because of a whole lot of different laws that make it easier for them to escape justice. While that same child can be called a, excuse me, a prostitute 
and denied justice. Mm-hmm. So that's what Shared Hope's about today. The Institute fights for the rights of these children, tries to prevent trafficking, and all the time still up to our noses in restoration of these beautiful children of God that my husband would say can't be changed because of what we call them. You can't name them prostitutes and deny them justice. You know, that's that's such a great point mm. that you bring mm. out. And, and I think that for a lot of us listening, that's one of the reasons why the plight of those who are trafficked is so easy for us to overlook because we have dismissed what we see, if we see anything, if we allow ourselves to be informed on this, we have called it prostitution or we have had this picture of women and girls who just quote unquote want to be in that situation. And I think that we have got to have this moment in the church where we respond honestly to this, that what we are talking about, as you describe, is trauma. It is children being abducted against their will. It, it is runaways, but it's also children being lured online. How do we get to the place where this becomes a common understanding in the United States of America? My dream is that never again would we use language calling a victim of a horrible crime a prostitute. Mm-hmm. It's all about culture. So the more programs like this that speak to pretty, I call us ordinary people, that have children and grandchildren, and that we want to protect, more people will be aware. When they're aware, we're a good people. We fight for justice. It's just America. And I think people don't know. When they know, they'll make a change. So I think right now our biggest goal, and I named the newest book for that, Invading the Darkness, um, is that we have to have everyone know. So we've actually opened, we had a center for child trafficking and law, We've expanded that to be an institute, and we design material for families, to schools, to training judges, all of the levels that need to identify these kids as victims of a crime. And then we have prevention material, and, and most everything we either give out don't, don't, um, with the ability just to download it. Um, some things are uh, on a store, but they're never very expensive because I try to raise the money so that I can actually get them out broadly. I think the biggest thing for your audience, because you probably have a lot of homeschoolers. By the way, I was the lead advocate in Washington State for homeschooling for years, and mm. I admire you and what you're doing. But you need to know that your children are in danger, too. I've talked to all kinds of parents that are good parents. They work really hard. But their kids are in a culture that is tech. Um, it's a tech world. And no matter how hard you try, unless you put them in a closet and don't let them ever see anything, they're going to see something. They're going to have friends. And you need to get them ready. So we've developed something that's called the Internet Safety Guide and a series of videos and and downloadables that you can just get. And it teaches you about all the apps. We change that regularly because Mm. the apps change regularly. Tips for monitoring kids online, video games and and sexting, how um, to talk to your children. And we will make that better and better as people tell us what they want and make it available without charge. Because we think people will invade the darkness of their communities when they understand it enough to protect their own children. Mm-hmm. And I believe every, every teacher, every uh, parent, grandparent, law enforcement, um, judge, All of those people, when they know, will start getting justice. But on the flip side of that, protecting your children, um, 
I think the biggest issue is understand your little boys are being targeted to. Mm-hmm. Porn has become just an addictive uh, norm, normal. And we know now that uh, it's just being shot at them. They get it enough by the time they get uh, into their teens. They have seen so much sexuality, so many acts, that oh, nothing really God. excites them unless it's violent and young. So we have to really be thinking about our boys just as much as thinking about our girls. That's and right. yes, they're both trafficked, but the consumer is predominantly male. Mm. And from teenager up to, I think our oldest has been 87 when it comes to arresting buyers. Oh. Wow. Can, wow. You re- can you repeat that, Linda? You, so when you talk about arresting buyers, buyers, those who are buying people for sex, what is the age range that you just gave? We have teenager to 87. Teenager to 87. A so, case I'm working now, she was 16 and he was 81. And uh, she ended up fighting him and he had a heart attack. And she ended up with jail because she was considered a prostitute. And she was 16. Mm. Started being used in her home when she was nine. Oh. But see, the issue is that we don't have to feel totally out of control. We can fight this. Okay. And the people listening to you, first of all, start at home. Now, this is, doesn't cost you anything to get the Internet Safety Guide. There are also some downloadable video training that is coming out, and in fact, it might already be on there, uh, where you can, you can get some tutorials from our specialist. Her name is Kelly, and she will talk people through the apps, and mm. she'll also tell you where to get downloadables, and they're all right there. And it's again, it's That's really good. easy. It doesn't cost anybody anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, and is it okay if I tell you how to get there? Yes, I was going to ask. I was just, <laughs> yes, please tell us how to get <laughs> okay. it. Okay. Yeah. Very simple. It's just sharedhope.org slash internet safety, period. So sharedhope.org slash internet safety, period. Now, what that'll do is it'll take you to some resources. <clears throat> There's also um, some other videos. Um, one that I think is very interesting because when I created it, it took me several years. It was when I was getting the young, young traffic victims. Um, I was working with law enforcement on them. Nobody really had an idea of what to do. None of us did, but we knew they needed to be treated as victims. So two of them, one a white 17-year-old girl, one, a black 13-year-old has been um, targeted by traffickers, chosen. And they teach you how the traffickers act, what they do, what they Mm. say. And in general, you'll be okay with your kids. You want to look at it first. But the the issue is the boy boy that saved one of the girls' lives, um, he actually is a hero. He stepped outside of what was comfortable and he really was a hero. So there's a hero feel for the boys of watching out for the people around you. You know, God made males to be heroes. I mean, how many little boys that's run so around good. with a towel over their shoulders being a Superman? <laughs> that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. So that is a good one. And it also just makes you aware. And you're talking, the girl, it looks like any, um, you know, any girl. And she's talking about what they did, how they did it. And that she really... Uh, she lied to her parents she says that and linda. but she thought she was okay okay mm-hmm. linda i'm so sorry we have got to grab this break here but i'm going to make sure that we put a link to to your website 
in the show notes so that our listeners can get these aids because we need these tools, the Internet Safety Guide. We need to have that in our hands and in our arsenal as parents. Linda Smith, everyone, founder and president of Shared Hope International. We'll grab the break and we'll be right back. Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross has spoken. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Phil Wickham, Living Hope. Sherry B is over in Studio CC. Um, we're not going to open the phone lines today because we have another guest in this segment, and uh, she is award-winning writer and journalist, Anne Reed. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you recognize that name, she is also the beautiful wife of Jeff Reed, who you hear on Focal Point, and mm-hmm. you also hear on the Hamilton Corner. A and, little uh, <laughs> on the Hamilton Corner. There's not a lot of space to interject there. <laughs> well, I mean, you know. Uh, <laughs> um, but I invited Anne to join us because the nature of the, the topic is something that Anne is um, well-versed on, and she's she observes this and studies this, and she's actually an activist in this particular area. And we talk about human trafficking and, and uh, sex slavery. Um, let me put the disclaimer firmly in place again. Mm-hmm. Okay, if you've got little kids listening, this content is not going to be suitable for young ears. Um, we mentioned going into the discussion in the first segment, and that a lot of what we see as the increase of um, child sex slavery mm-hmm. and you know children being abducted and, and trafficked for sex, that this can be attributed to um, the, the consumption of pornography. But I would say the ubiquity of pornography these days, that it is inescapable. It is everywhere. Mm-hmm. And as Linda Smith alluded to in the last segment, it is something that even our young boys cannot escape. Yeah. Right. It usually starts at a very young age. Right. Um, so it's um, that's something that, you know, here at American Family Association, we are addressing and many organizations and individuals out there recognize that that is at the core mm-hmm. of this issue. It is mm-hmm. the driving force. You know, I think that and I, I say this and I, I want to get your take on this, too. And sometimes I have this thought that a lot of us who are activists, we look at pornography addiction and pornography consumption as like the battle of the 90s. Like that's, you know, we don't really talk about that anymore. It's almost sort of like, you know, Brother Don or James Dobson's fight. And now in 21st century America, we've got other things that we need to focus on. But really, I feel like we should be drilling down now because this is not going into a Circle K. This is not finding tapes. This is your phone in the palm (laughs) of your kid's hand. Right. And, you know, that may be for a couple of reasons. It may be that it feels hopeless, you know, for some Mm. of us, like we're just we're we're inundated with this and maybe we've become a little desensitized Mm. and uh, secondary to that, which is definitely intertwined in that uh, theory is that 
a lot of Christians are addicted. Yeah. Yes, and okay, let's look. Let's stay there because, you know, Will's talked about this a lot, and mm-hmm. he said that this is an uncomfortable truth that the church has mm-hmm. to face, that yeah. there are a lot of men and women. Mm-hmm. Growing, that it's a growing phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to admit that. We, right. And I think that women are perfectly fine with men being characterized as the sole consumers of pornography. But I go back, and I guess it was maybe, um, oh, man, I guess maybe eight years ago that Oprah Winfrey actually introduced this to her audience, right, which her audience was largely comprised of homemakers, people who were at home watching her show during the day, you know, and she introduced this sort of different take on pornography and, and, and pictured it as something that, and I remember decrying this and saying, guys, where, where are we, well, Christian women, that we're consuming and this? And not only that, I remember watching a clip of Paula White sharing with her husband how talking you know about talking about it using being okay to watch like pornography together thing? yeah like as in being a healthy thing so when you have people who are supposed to be leaders within the church or whatever right. you know saying that type of thing i mean what hope is there yeah, what where, hope where is, is there? the rescue mm-hmm. so and help us understand how important it is for us to not ignore the grip of pornography and the pull of pornography in our culture and even in the church well, you know, we, we recognize, I think many people are, are aware of this, that, that what happens is um, with any sort of addiction, you know, like say you, you start with a drug addiction and you mm-hmm. start with, with smoking marijuana and then that's not enough and you, you take it to the next level and to mm-hmm. the next level and to the next level. And so it's the same thing with pornography addiction. Um, so let's take Paula White's theory that this mm-hmm. is going to be something healthy for the marriage. And so they start with something kind of soft core and then it, it and, and so you're not getting the high from that mm-hmm. anymore and so then you got to get something a little a little um, more explicit more and then it moves into violence you know the percentage of, of uh, pornography today that incorporates violence is very high mm-hmm. those percentages and so and then you get younger you then you need you need in order to get the high you got to go to to younger women and and more violence and children and children who are in violent situations mm. and and so then the next step is acting it out and so that creates the demand mm-hmm. and that's one of the things that a lot of you know activists who are involved in this are are really fighting against the demand um you know women um are for the most part, victims, you know, even if they enter into this of their own volition initially, um, you know, it, they are going to be, um, they're going to be victims in that they are not going to be treated um, with regard as a whole person. They're, they're treated as a commodity. They are um, more often than that and not they are going to be uh, physically violated and just violated in, in spiritually right. so many different That's ways. Right. And so it's not right. something that you think about. Um, I know there was a documentary out years ago called Somebody's Daughter, and I just thought that was such a provocative title, because if you think about that, um, every single one of these women is somebody's daughter. Right. And right. kind of when you think about it from that perspective, it, it gives you a compassion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody dreams of, of being a sex worker. You know, ex- exactly. And I, I was thinking um, maybe a year or two, and I hate that I can't remember exact dates that we talk about some of these mm-hmm. issues. But I remember even coming from liberals and coming from Democrats that you were starting to hear them 
try to legitimize sex workers. Right. Like <laughs> as if that was something that they had complete autonomy and we should be celebrating their choice to enter into this quote unquote industry. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking of how destructive that is to those who, and, and as you say, they're all victims, but to those who are abducted, who are taken from their homes, taken from their families, or maybe they are manipulated, that they mm-hmm. feel they're in a relation yeah. with a relationship with mm-hmm. the person who is selling them. Right. Um, can you speak to that? That's that's actually much more common. We kind of think of the abductions, and when we hear the word trafficking, our mind kind of goes to you know it, drug trafficking. It means you're going to be crossing over state or state lines or national borders. Um, so we kind of take that kind of definition and apply it to this. But really, with the term trafficking, it just means that I don't I don't know if you guys touched on this already, what that term actually means. I actually have the definition. Um, It is a crime that occurs when a trafficker uses force, fraud, or or coercion to control another person for the purpose of engaging in commercial sex acts or soliciting labor or services against his or her will. Force, fraud, or coercion need not be present if the individual engaging in the commercial sex is uh, commercial sex act is under 18, obviously. Mm-hmm. So it's any time that, that someone is using a human being and getting some kind of return for it mm-hmm. and using, you know, force or fraud uh, or coercion uh, when it's an adult in that type of a situation. So it's any time that, uh, so that, so that's prostitution as well, if you think about mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. Uh, because the majority of the time when someone is being a prostitute, they have a pimp, someone who's serving as a trafficker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is it that you think the church doesn't understand about human trafficking and sex slavery? And I'm, I'm thinking specifically in the United States of America, what is it that you think we, the body of Christ, don't get, and therefore maybe it appears that we are inactive. I think the thing that that we are missing for the most part is that it is where we are. Mm. You know, we tend to think um, that, especially when something is, is something that is that horrendous, we kind of want to protect ourselves emotionally. And so we don't want to believe it's where we are. So we think, initially, we think it's in other countries. Right. And I think your guest talked about that, that that's what, what first got her attention was going to another country. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then once we find out it's in our country, then we think, well, it's in other parts of the country. It's the seedy side of town. Right. It's the side that no, we don't really go over there. Or not even in, in the, the region where we are. Right. You know, right. and then we think, we find out it's in our state and we think, oh, well, it's not, yeah, maybe so, but it's in that other part of the mm-hmm. state. It's like you said, yeah. you know, and then you find out it's where you are. Uh, we recently had an awareness conference here in our local area and our uh, sheriff um, was one of our speakers and he brought to our awareness that they had done a sting operation. We do not live in a large city. No. We've, our population is less than 40,000. And so they did a sting operation. They, they put ads online for two 15-year-old girls. These were not CD pictures. Come These on. were pictures that they pulled out um, of church directors and they put these out there within one hour they had over 70 grown men make contact and try to meet these girls over 70 within one hour right here Mm. so that's the thing the church doesn't know Mm. is it's where you are and you know what you know what and to your point you know um so many of us we are living in this delusion that it's like oh no i i live in a Mm. christian town Mm mm-hmm and, and we are Bible-believing, God-fearing people, so there's no way 
that you could have something like that. But I got to tell you, this is the first time I'm hearing about this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah I didn't even too. know this happened. This is, mm -hmm. I mean, this is where we live, you know? Right. And so this speaks of a deep sickness. And I think that that naive um, thought process expands this, is this issue and others where we'll feel like, oh, not It'll where never I happen live. where I am. Yeah, but it, there's so many issues that are happening right where we are. Mm -hmm. we, 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 you know, turn a blind eye to it. Yeah. So and what is the response? Well, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and this is in the church. Yeah. Right. These are, are some of these men who are responding to this are men who we sit beside in the pew in church. And that's not even a surprise to me because if you look at the, the polls, you know, the, the surveys and things, leadership and as well as, you know, members, the in members. The yeah, yes. are dealing with this problem. Mm -hmm. Which is are pornography addiction, which yeah. is this compulsive need to look at images yeah. Yeah. that they know would bring shame that's right. and remorse, but still there it's an addiction. It's a it's a mental inability to detach yourself from something, even though you know, I mean as in this case with a sting, mm -hmm. you're gonna be exposed. <laughs> mm. You know what I mean? It shows mm -hmm. that it's a deep Man. a deep sickness. Yeah. So then when we reconcile to the fact that it is where we are and you're talking about the church, mm -hmm. what after that? What are the next steps for those who are listening right now? And, and, and before you answer that question, let me ask this, because I think that there may be people listening who are fed up with being addicted to pornography. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. There are people who are hiding in shame yep. and they are in constant fear of being exposed and they're listening right now. And this is a moment where the Holy Spirit is working on hearts and minds. Mm -hmm. And so what response do we have any resources can we point our listeners to any resources where they can receive help and maybe counseling for this maybe pornography addiction well uh, in the article that that we did um, we actually do have a couple of resources there and one is a ministry that is out of memphis um I almost said Mississippi. Uh, we, we're so close to Memphis, it That's feels right. like we're in the same state. Um, so Memphis, Tennessee, and that is Restoration Path. The website for that is restorationpath.org. And even though I said what the location is, it's important to say um, that they do work um, through um, electronic means so that you don't actually physically need to be in the same okay. location. So I think that's important to say. So they work with men and women. Uh, another ministry is uh, Pure Life Ministries, and that website is uh, purelifeministries.org. So that's a couple of resources uh, to help people with that. Uh, one of the other things that we wrote about is the growing number of states. We now have 15 states uh, that have put forth a resolution. It's a little different than a law. It's more like a your state makes a declaration mm -hmm. that pornography is a public health crisis and mm. it's kind of like a foundation on what on which to build okay so that's your beginning and then you can start building laws uh, on top of that foundation to combat pornography so let me direct our listeners to mm -hmm. because i think they need to read this article this is the october issue mm -hmm. of the afa journal so if you go to afajournal.org you can read it online. You yes. can also sign up when you're there to get the AFA journal coming to your home because in this article um, is all of the information that you're mentioning. Yes. We got about a minute left, and and I'm just wondering what your encouragement is to the church going forward. You know, the first thing that comes to mind to me is uh, what Eight Days of Hope is doing. Uh, they have committed to uh, once a month 
uh, building a safe home, a, a, the building for a, a long-term program to help. We have a severe shortage of beds to help uh, children and adults who have suffered from sex trafficking. Mm. Um, and this is something that the church can do. Um, we need to come together and, and have uh, faith-based homes for individuals who have suffered in this way. And so this is something um, that churches can do. Yeah, and know. thank you. Thank you thank so you. much for being thank here. You. We're out of time for today. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Until then, Lord willing. God bless.